Hi guys, welcome back to the Boobie Fandom Podcast. My name is Sophia Maddox, and today I'm going to be recording my most anticipated episode of the year, my review of No Way Home. Oh my god, I cannot believe we made it this far, guys. Let's just get straight into it. Um, I saw the movie yesterday, so it's been actually a full day since I've seen it. And boy, was it one prob- the best Spider-Man movie ever, period. One of the best MCU movies ever, period. And I'm just going to explain this. This episode is going to be longer than usual reviews because there's a lot to uncover. So the first thing I'm going to say is my general opinion on the film, and then I'm going to go into the specifics of the film because I think that's the best way to do it. So as soon as I walked out of the theater, I absolutely hated it. I did not like it at all. I was like so mad. I couldn't handle it. I was so mad. I absolutely did not like it. This review is going to contain spoilers, by the way. So if you haven't seen it, come back later. And I absolutely hated it. I didn't like it when I first saw it. I was so mad. And then I woke up this morning and I was like, that is the best movie I've ever seen. It was, it's, it's kind of interesting and I'm going to explain why soon. But another thing I want to mention is this movie emotionally scarred me. (laughs) And a lot of people are saying it made them cry, surprisingly, or unsurprisingly. This movie is just sadness on a whole nother level. And it's not just one character death or another character death. It's just the general theme of the movie and the ending and the way they just leave us. It is a somber fest. It's so hard to explain, but but if you've seen the movie, I'll get into more detail. And we're gonna go, like, through the movie and explain certain things for certain parts, and then we're gonna go to the specific sections. Okay, so the movie opens right where Far From Home ended, and can I just say that my theater where I was watching it, this was on pre-opening night, so the biggest fans, and the entire theater was a roller coaster during certain parts. They were clapping, screaming, cheering. It was insane. So it opens right where Far From Home ended, and we see um, Peter grab MJ, and they go through the subway, And we hear that Happy and Aunt May broke up. Sad, whatever. Not really sad. Kind of sad. Not really, but whatever. Um, And then Peter Parker's identity is revealed and there's all this crisis, blah, blah, blah. And then when Charlie Cox showed up, I swear to God, the entire theater just yelled. Like, like, Like they were on a roller coaster and it was going down the main drop. And it was crazy. The entire theater was cheering, yelling, screaming. It was so amazing just to see all those fans come together at that one moment because seeing Daredevil Charlie Cox was just amazing and like that that's just pure fan service right there and respect to Sony and Marvel respect respect um okay so then we continue on with the movie and we find out that villains from the old franchises are coming back and we also have the added layer of peter and his friends trying to get into certain colleges now i've always not liked the trope of finding colleges i feel like that's just a time waster and filler of just looking for colleges but the college factor did have a main uh, point in this movie because after mj and ned get declined from the main program they were wanted to get into, 
Peter knows that it's his fault, so he goes to Doctor Strange and asks him to do all this spell and stuff, and because he wants certain people to remember, it gets all complicated. And then we start seeing villains from other universes pop up, starting with Doc Ock, and when Alfred Molina's face was revealed, we already saw him in the trailer, but once again, the theater just went wild. Um, it was crazy. Um... I am going to be rewatching it soon. I'm rewatching it sometime this week, and I will be an episode, be making an episode upon rewatch because I really feel like watching this movie every day at this point. It was that good, but really sad at the same time. I'm not done my review yet. All right, so then we, and then when we see Green Goblin, I have never genuine, I never genuinely thought that even Willem Dafoe, I never genuinely thought that anyone could ever replace Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin, not even Willem Dafoe himself, but when I say Willem Dafoe delivered, he was genuinely creepy and just corrupted. It was insane. I had, like, Willem Dafoe is the Green Goblin, and no one can tell me otherwise. Anyway, then we continue to progress into the movie where the stakes start getting higher, and then we reach what I consider to be Peter's lowest point and the turning point of this movie, Aunt May's death. Now, I will fully admit that I did see a spoiler about this online accidentally. Even though I had muted all No Way Home keywords, I unfortunately saw a spoiler, but I actually didn't believe it at first. And, you know, I saw the spoiler and I didn't believe it, but when I actually saw it on screen, that is when my heart got torn apart and I love the fact that they made Aunt May his Uncle Ben because that is such a great change and when she said with great power comes great responsibility I just felt multiple tears trickle down my cheek because that was just that was the first moment that actually made me genuinely cry um because the fact that she was the one to give him that quote and to get that quote for the MCU Spider-Man for her to die in his arms, that just blew me away. And even though I knew it was coming, it still surprised me. And yeah, it's just absolutely crazy the way they um, just like, she was not a character you expected to die. She was, but she wasn't because she wasn't important enough to die in Far From Home because she was kind of out of it for most of the movie. But, boy, was the entire theater just crying. Um, and then immediately, when they show MJ and Ned <laughs> revealing Toby and Andrew, guys, I kid you not, let me, I seriously cannot explain. I recorded the reaction to that scene, and I'm not going to be sharing it because you can hear me screaming louder than the other people. But just the amount of clapping and cheering and screaming, it's insane. And that was when Andrew showed up. When Toby showed up, I swear to God, the entire theater. The entire theater. And then the next scene that made me cry was, of course, when all when the two Spider-Men and Ned and MJ go to check on Peter on the Midtown um, Tech school, school roof. When I say that scene just... Like, it touched me. It it dug deep, and it hit different. Um, the fact that, you know, they all share different things they've been through. Watching Uncle Ben die, losing Gwen, losing Aunt May. It's just, like, they have all they all go through unique experiences, yet they're the same person, which I love that multiverse concept. And I, I loved that idea of just 
and when MJ, Peter, and Ned just shared that hug, literally my entire heart melted. That is just too sad for a person to handle. Sodi, why? This is my formal declaration of asking you why you would want to do this to us. No, but all um, jokes aside, that was a really emotional scene that I feel like everyone's just looking past, but that scene really just hit home with me as a Spider-Man fan because you just truly see how broken Peter is after Aunt May's death, which I feel like they don't show those repercussions in the Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield franchise. Like, they show the sadness, but it's not a lasting sadness of just crying in front of, like, the two best friends or whatever. I just, it genuinely just felt, like, emotional and raw, which I really loved. Um, and then, continuing, we have, um, oh my god, we, okay, I'm trying to figure out what happens next. Okay, so then they, like, decide to do the antidote thingy-majigs, which was cool. I love seeing all the Peters doing all their science stuff together, and I love how they coordinate because they know different stuff about their respective villains from their other universes. And one thing I will say is I kind of wish that they had brought a villain from Tom Holland's Spider-Man universe into the mix, because all of them were from Toby and Andrew, but I feel like it would have been nice to have one from Tom's universe he was already familiar with, like maybe Vulture, I mean, they could have brought Venom in and just, you know, that could have been a little different because we always associate Venom with Tom Holland when you talk about the modern Venom played by Tom Hardy. It's always just associated with the Tom Holland Spider-Man because that will ultimately be the villain hero team-up that ensues because of No Way Home and Venom with the Carnage and all that stuff. And I'll talk more about this in the credit scene because we all know what the first credit scene was. But essentially, I just feel like there could have been one Tom Holland Spider-Man villain. And there are a few nitpicky things I have with this movie, but overall, it's just amazing. Okay, let's continue. So then they all go to, like, fight. And the next scene that just... it. I, it was too much for me to cry. Andrew saving MJ. I cannot even put into words how destroying that was just to see the look on Andrew's face when he knew he realized that he did it and just the heart the heartbreak when he realizes that he could have done it for Gwen. He could have he could have saved her. He's able to do it, but just the look in his eyes when he sees that I saved MJ, truly nothing will ever... That was my favorite scene of the entire movie. Probably in my top three favorite scenes of the entire MCU. That scene really got me. It dug deep. It was so emotional I couldn't even cry. It's just... And it's not even sad. It's just the look in Andrew's face when he realized I did it. Um... I can't say Peter because all three of them are Peter, so I'm just going to go by the actor's first name. But the look in um, uh, Andrew's eyes when it's just, he realizes he was able to do it, he saved MJ, and that he is now made up for his loss of Gwen Stacy by helping an alternate version of him. That just, uh, that scene just really hit home with me. That was probably, like, one of my favorite scenes of the entire MCU. And then... They finish the battle, whatever, Tom is about to turn, you know, psychopath and kill Green Goblin and Toby stops him, whatever, great scene. Then we get to the part where everyone must forget Peter. 
And when I say I have never experienced such extreme heartache because of that, I mean it. I have read so many sad books, but just the way that the Ned, MJ, and Peter departing scene made me feel, I cannot even express that in words because most of you probably know how much I love Homecoming and Far From Home. I literally used to rewatch them every weekend. That was like my look forward to all week. I, those are my comfort movies. I'm extremely attached to them and those characters and their relationships and the progression of their relationships and the way that um, those relationships affect Peter and Spider-Man and all that stuff. I've just been a dedicated fan to and that has just been something that has been a main part of my life for so long. And then to just see them have to say goodbye because they're never going to remember again. That is ultimately what really broke me. And I gotta say, I cried myself to sleep. Like, I know that sounds really dramatic, but I was crying after watching the movie. After watching it, because that just really... The fact that I've just invested so much of my heart and soul into these characters and these relationships and the things that... The lengths they go for each other and just the entire lore of it all and just... It's hard, it's really hard to explain how much I just had a connection with, like, these characters and their relationships and the way it affects the MCU and it affects Peter Spider-Man because in all the other superheroes in the MCU, they don't have relationships that affect him like that and they don't long for a normal life. They've already, they're adults, they've already accepted they won't have it. But Peter is the only one who just craves it so badly and I think that's why it broke me is because he gave up everything that was ever his normal life just to give them a normal life, which is just even more heartbreaking, first of all. But that goodbye scene really got me. That one, I still think about today. I still cried about it today. It it was a lot. It was a lot. The reason this episode is coming so late is because I could not talk about this without crying. So, yeah. That's why this episode is coming later. But I know that scene, I just want to say that that is what just shattered my heart. Because that scene just broke me. Alright, so then the next scene that I think just destroyed my entire heart was just seeing Peter alone, his own apartment, but by the way, major Toby vibes on that apartment. I don't know why. But just seeing Peter alone without anyone and seeing him go to try to talk to MJ and Ned and just seeing how happy they are, wishing he had that life again, I I cannot even explain how sad that makes me. And it, it's just, all he ever wanted was a normal life, and he gave that away for the people he loved so they could have a normal life. And that, that, just, that just shows how much of a hero he really is. Um, because he's sacrificing his own happiness for theirs, even though they didn't really want to forget about him, which, by the way, super sad. I know I keep saying the word sad, but that's genuinely the emotion that this brings off is he's trying to reconnect with them and he feels like he knows them but they don't know him and it's just heartbreaking to watch um Peter and MJ finish each other's sentences and all that sort of stuff like that just that really hit me because that's just like because in the comics that's like the main Spider-Man relationship you know so that just really like that just really got me there it's it hit different. Um, and then just seeing Peter alone and in his apartment, which had major Toby vibes, seeing him alone, all by himself, no one to talk to, 
all like just all alone so isolated so sheltered no family no friends nobody to love no one for, to care about him he's just on his own and that that's just truly heartbreaking to me to me that's the saddest part of the entire movie is the fact that peter has nobody to love and nobody to love him and he's alone he's by himself he has nobody nobody to root for nobody to root for him he is just plain alone. Nobody remembers him. He has to rebuild his entire life. He's almost a ghost, essentially. And nobody remembers him. And he, but he remembers. He remembers all of those relationships he had and that he developed over all these movies. And he remembers Iron Man. He remembers MJ. He remembers Ned. He remembers Doctor Strange. He remembers all these characters. He remembers Happy, but... They don't remember him, and to me that's just disturbingly heartbreaking because the fact that he can remember all the good times and all the good, you know, sort of memories that he had with all those characters and just the evolution of their relationships throughout the movies, he can remember that, but the rest of them can't. And the fact that he's the one who all who gave it up and he has to live with the memory is what really breaks me because the rest of them don't have to live with the memory of him because now they're fine without him. They don't need him because they never knew him. Whereas he, he needs them because he remembers them. He knew them. He still remembers them. So I, I, that's the best way I can explain it. But that's to me is the saddest part of the entire movie is the fact that Peter is alone. He has nobody. And I want to see what they're going to do next. Honestly, I don't have many theories for what they're going to do next. I got to have to think about it after my rewatch. But it's just a lot of emotional things to process right now because I hope you could just understand how I felt about explaining just how alone Peter is and the fact that he has to live with the memories um, for other people and he still wants to be with those other people but they don't want to because they don't even remember him. That just really got me. Um, I hope you can understand. Like, just like I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but it really got me. Um... <laughs> It was really good. So now we're going to break down, like, the specifics of the movie, besides just going through the plot. Um, let's start with the cast. Because, boy, when I say, was the cast amazing, the cast was amazing. Tom Holland, if you didn't think he was the best Spider-Man at this point, which I know I always joke about hating Tom Holland, but I don't really hate him. I think he's a great actor. I think he's a great guy. I, I don't hate him. It's just kind of a joke. It's a running joke. Um, I think he just totally shined in this movie and if you didn't already think Tom Holland was the best Spider-Man at this point there's no way that after seeing this movie you can't and I and I saw a tweet on Twitter today where someone said if Tom Holland was recast at this point I think I might cry and I kind of could agree I I could as well because he is definitely a really good Spider-Man um and just uh seeing the way he just put his heart and soul into this movie and it's just so raw and emotional absolutely amazing probably his best film ever that he's ever done and he's still a really good actor in his other movies don't get me wrong he's a really good actor but this just puts him in a whole other category then i already touched on this quickly but willem dafoe when i like i never could imagine anyone replacing green goblin from spider-man one not even willem dafoe himself he's 60 he's over 60 years old i could never even imagine him doing a sliver of what he did in spider-man one but he delivered. And when I say he was genuinely creepy, I mean he was genuinely creepy. And not just like he's scary, but just he's weird. He's low-key weird. And just 
the way Willem Dafoe also just cares about this character so much and wants to play it the right way, wants to play Green Goblin the right way, absolutely love. Um, then, of course, we have Zendaya, good as always. And then we have Alfred Molina, Jamie Foxx. I think they were better than their original movies. Obviously, Jamie Foxx, for sure. But even Alfred Molina, I feel like he was better than Spider-Man 2, which is a lot to say because he's probably my favorite Spider-Man villain. Uh, second, maybe tied with Mysterio from Far From Home because that was a nice villain. But otherwise, I really do genuinely like Alfred Molina's Doc Ock. And the fact that he did an even better job in No Way Home than he did in Spider-Man 2 just shows how much that he's thought about this character over the years and how much he's wanted to evolve this character and make the character even better. I just love that. Um, now we're going to get into the plot bits that I love. So the pacing of the plot sort of categories that we got to talk about. The pacing, I got to say, the beginning was a little messy. Still entertaining, very entertaining, but a little messy. Um, like I said, I don't like when main plot lines focus on college. I think that's just a waste of time. It's just a personal opinion, but, you know, that's one thing that I just didn't like because I just feel like it's filler and it doesn't really need to be there because at the end of the day, the colleges don't matter to the actual plot of this specific movie. You can touch on it, but don't make it a recurring thing that's like a whole scene or a whole... 10 minutes, like, we don't need that much time to spend on college. This is not a movie about college. This is a movie about Spider-Man. And then, okay, then another thing that a lot of people are saying is that the writing was really good. I think the writing wasn't as good compared to the first two Spider-Man movies. Not to say this writing was bad, but it wasn't as good um, as the first two Tom Holland Spider-Man movies in the MCU. I feel like those had better, much better writing. Um... And then I'm going to get to the few bad things that I didn't like. So like I just mentioned, I feel like the writing wasn't as good as the first and second movie. Not to say it was bad, it just wasn't as good. And the main thing that just made this a 9 out of 10 for me, not a 10 out of 10, is how tonally off it is from the first two Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. The first two Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, I don't even consider to be action. I just say they're like teen romantic comedy, not even romantic comedy, just teen comedy with some romance, with action taking the backseat. But this movie is action Spider-Man with romance and comedy taking the backseat, and it's just going to feel tonally off if you watched all three back-to-back, because the first two movies are lighthearted, fun, full of heart, whatever. It's mostly just about Peter, not even focused on Spider-Man's consequences, just about Peter living his life. And now we get this movie, which is just what, way higher stakes, and it just happens way too fast. I think it just happened way too fast. And when you watch them all back to back, it's just going to be really weird. That Far From Home is just like this lighthearted fest and whatever. And then you watch No Way Home and it's just a somber fest and it's just off. That's the main thing that I didn't like about this movie. I feel like the storyline they chose couldn't have that fun, lighthearted sort of um, vibe going for it. And it's good to change, but I feel like they did it too fast. Because picking it up with right after the events of Far From Home, that means it's mashed with Far From Home. You could watch it exactly back-to-back. It could be like a part one, part two, and it just wouldn't match to me. That's why I have a little bit of an issue with it. Um, And to me, comedy, like, there was a little comedy at the beginning, but after that, it was sort of gone until Toby and Andrew showed up, but that was more like fan service comedy. But I don't definitely don't think it had as much comedy as last time. And it also just didn't have that um, high school 
teen aspect that the first two ones did. And that's something I actually really like about those, because a lot of superhero movies don't have that, obviously, because most of them being, are focused on adults, of course. So, I missed that about this movie. Like, there was barely any Flash, there was barely any Betty. But at the same time, it's time to evolve Peter. He's not just a kid anymore. He has higher stakes, better, bigger things he has to deal with, all that sort of stuff. So those are the other things that, like, I had a little, like, nitpicky things that I was just like, oh, I don't know about this. But overall, I think it was amazing. And the fact that we predicted the hell out of this movie and we tried to watch every plot leak, every everything, yet Sony still managed to surprise the crap out of us, that just blows me away. I have faith in Sony when it comes to making Spider-Man movies at this point. Especially if they're doing it with Marvel, I think we're in good hands. Now, when it comes to talking to, in terms of talking about the future of Spider-Man in the MCU, he's going to be in another cameo movie. Would it be surprised if it has to do with Doctor Strange or Wanda, or even Venom, but that's technically the Sony-verse. But I would expect to see Tom Holland appear in more um, Sony-verse movies, and eventually he'll get another trilogy, hopefully. I mean, at this point, Tom Holland says yes, then no, then Amy Pascal says yes, and then no, and then... It's really messy, but I think they're just going to save it to be in the news when No Way Home hype dies down. And I think he's definitely probably going to do another trilogy. It's going to be a college trilogy. And that'll be come out in, coming out in 2025. So we're not going to get another Spider-Man movie for a while, unless you count Into the Spider-Verse. But I that's Peter Parker versus Miles Morales. It's a little different. Um, and I'm super excited to see a live-action Miles Morales. We all know they teased it. It's going to be amazing. And... Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna have to do another review to cover this, because I probably didn't mention everything I wanted to in this episode. Um, completely unscripted, I should have mentioned that at the, at the beginning. But I'm gonna do another review when I rewatch it sometime this week, because I'm probably gonna forget to mention something that I wanted to talk about. Oh, I just remembered something. Doctor Strange is totally Mephisto, nobody can change my mind. He's giving off such Mephisto vibes. His mug at the beginning of the movie, I swear, he's Mephisto. I'm going to be getting to the bottom of this because I swear, he's Mephisto. Anyway, I think that's where we're going to end it here. This episode's longer than usual, but I will be doing another review, so don't worry. Uh, but thank you guys for listening. This has been the most anticipated episode of the year, and I just wanted to say thank you for coming along with this journey with me of just analyzing every plot leak and just talking about it and just... This has been the one thing all year. This has been a really um, um, challenging year for all of us, I'm going to say. And this is the one thing. This movie has just brought us together through all those difficult times. And that's why I'm just so grateful to it. And I think that one of the reasons it has so much hype is because that was the only thing we had to look forward to in 2021. And so that's why I think that it's a really important movie when you think about, well, what was 2021 about? Well, No Way Home. That was just a general thing that all year we could look forward to. So I think that's a really important factor. So thank you for joining me on this journey, on this epic um, um, analyzation and saga about Spider-Man, a character that we all know and love. and just He's just a character that everyone can relate to, whether you're old, young, like, anyone can relate to Spider-Man. I think that's why he's the most popular superhero besides, like, Batman. Is because everyone can just relate to him. So, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for joining me on this incredible journey of No Way Home. And we will continue that journey now that we've already seen the movie. We'll continue to talk about it for the next eternity. Because now it's a movie that exists and it's a movie that we can see. 
And I will guarantee you that there will be a point on this podcast where I will watch No Way Home as much as I watch Far From Home. And I will do the rewatches every week, and I will compare Homecoming versus Far From Home, No Way Home versus Far From Home. No Way Home versus Far From Home is hard for me. Um, Homecoming versus Far From Home is hard enough, but anyway, so there's a lot of different things now that exist that we're going to be able to do a bunch of new content on, which is absolutely insane. Um, But I'm super excited to see what's next for Spider-Man and Spider-Man in the MCU and... Even Toby and Andrew Spider-Man, we got more hope that we could see another crossover. But anyway, I need to end this. It's getting too long. Thank you guys for listening. Follow me on all my social media. I'm on every social media except for TikTok and uh, Snapchat. So follow me everywhere. And yeah, check back soon for my rewatch review. And I'll see you next time on the movie slash book fandom podcast.